listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. I'm especially glad you're here for this episode because this episode is kind of an annual tradition here at Humanize Me. Once every year or so, for some reason or another, I end up in a room with my son, Roman. And we record a conversation. Roman was in town. He's in Cincinnati for a family vacation. And John found out that Roman was in town. He said, ah, oh, you got to try to have a conversation with him and record it. And I did. And all I'm going to tell you is the conversation did not go the way I thought it was going to go. But when it was over, I thought, man, that that's something. That's something that doesn't always happen. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to tell you, I think you're going to, if you've never heard my son, a lot of people that listen to podcasts, they feel like they know Roman by now because he's been through changes and he comes back and they're like, oh yeah, what's going on with Roman these days? What's going on with the music? And, and I'm sure John will post links to his Instagram and links to his music stuff. And he's a fascinating performer. But I think what you're going to find in this conversation is a, a little bit of why I just like being around my son. Yeah, so I, listen, I, I would say with no further ado, but I have a little ado here. And the little ado is this, a little secret I want to share with you. And that is, I think our podcast is actually getting somewhere. And I think that because I'm getting emails and messages from people, like I always do, who tell me what they think of the show, but they're saying, I heard about your podcast through a friend, or my cousin sent me a link and I checked it out. And I feel like it's starting to happen where people are sharing episodes because they're targeted sharing. They're like, this episode would be good for this person to hear. This conversation would be helpful for this person to hear for this reason. And I think that when that starts to happen, that means that th th that you've crossed over to a place where people are not just checking out the show. They're using it as a tool. And I, that's what I always hoped. I always hoped that we would be able to put together enough quality content that it would actually be useful to people in their lives and in their relationships. And I think that's happening. The other thing, we're getting people supporting the show on Patreon. I've got a, some, some folks I got to shout out to right now. Lisa Bond, John Battershow, Jonathan Shriver, Don Milton, Kara Mosley, Zachary Grimm, who I happen to know is not a grim man, is actually a beautiful, upbeat humanist man. Linda Jimenez, Josh Withers, Brian DeVore, and Rabbi Meyer. Humanize Me has a rabbi supporting it. Listen, this is important. This is good. And I think we're, I think we're doing something here. Yeah. So anyway, I'm excited. I'm, but like I said, I'm, I'm excited about the show and what's happening. I'm excited. Thank you to all those people. Um, but I'm also excited about sharing this uh, conversation with Roman with you. So uh, that's it for the ado. Now this is me and Roman on Humanize Me. You have at least two friends. Mm -hmm. um, but no, you know lots of people and you know lots of younger people. And I wonder how many of the younger people you know feel like their relationship with their parents has made a smooth 
transition to them being an adult? Um, well, my two close friends don't really have any relationship with their dads at all. Uh, I'm trying to think. But that, you know, I'm trying to think like, yeah, like I'm trying to think of all the people that you're friends with. Or that I've ever been friends with. Yeah. None of them have really strong dads. None. Yeah. I've never had a friend who had a strong relationship with their dad before. So I really, I, that's a poll that I Wow, the bar was really low for me. Yeah, you're winning. I didn't think about that. No, none of them. Yeah, so you you probably have had very few conversations where you and a friend are talking about like, oh yeah, my dad does this. Oh, well, my dad does that. Yeah, I mean, the most interesting ones have been Gabe. Right. you guys know each other and he has a friendship with his dad that has gone through different phases too. So yeah, that's the only person I can think of who, and we haven't had that many conversations about it. We have plenty of ground to cover in that territory, but yeah, no, it's not a, it's not a widespread topic. Yeah. I mean, you can talk to me about the relationship I have with my dad. Yeah. Who you know. And we do talk about that. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Was there a definitive transition point other than you leaving Christianity? You know, it's, some people would say even that didn't do it. Didn't Um, do what? Well, do you, I remember, um, the Carrie Davis who I, who worked with me when I was in college Mm -hmm. and then, you know, kind of lived in our neighbor, lived around us and we, we knew each other for years. She would always like, whenever I would have some, some doing with my father, that was weird. She would always go like, cut the cord, cut the cord. Cut the cord as in just as stop in like talking to him? No, as in like, you're just way too attached to oh, your dad. Okay. Like he's too involved in your life. You, like you work- Especially when you're working you with work him. You work with him or you, yeah. you, you cover for him in this situation or, you know, he helps you with that project. Mm-hmm. You know, in my Christian days, I mean, it was very difficult to get past my relationship with my dad because- literally everywhere I went in the Christian community, he was a presence, even if he wasn't in the room. Right. Yeah. Um, Whereas I don't think I'm like, there's no room that you go in that I am a presence. I don't matter anywhere in Hollywood. Well, yeah. I mean, that's most people. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing like that. That was a difference for me is my dad was ever present in your world in my world yeah. right but that's different than the question of your actual relationship with him right but it complicated my relationship with him was there any point where it felt good to be working together where it was like my dad and i were on the same team oh and yeah we're on yeah. each other's yeah i mean a, a, yeah occasionally your understanding of how the other person worked Mm-hmm. would enable you to 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 lob them an alley-oop in, mm-hmm. in a public situation. Well, you, did he ever lob you an alley-oop? Not many. You got, you got Not really many. good at it. Uh, yeah, helping him down. I was more the setter and he was the spiker. Right. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember towards the end of my time in Christendom, we put together this annual retreat called Red Letter Christians. And it was for all these Christian communicators who were involved in social justice stuff, very progressive people. 
um, many of the people that I'm still friends with now in that Christian community. Right, because um, it was all reduced down to what did Jesus actually say. And, and for me, of course, it was just, he just said love people. So like it was just it was, it was all about loving people. Right. Um, but uh, but I, we used to run these events. And, you know, you, you get 30 public speakers mm-hmm. on a retreat together. There's a lot of egos running around in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so... I was kind of the guy managing the thing. My dad was the elder statesman that a lot of those people looked up to. Mm -hmm. And we worked that room pretty well. Like I would, he knew, I was actually in charge and he knew that, but I, he would some, I would sometimes tell him what I needed him to say Mm -hmm. to move the thing along. And, and that, you know, I can remember a couple of times in that sort of going like, oh, like we really are a good team in this moment. Right. Because you didn't have underneath the surface a burning desire to show him up or outshine him at any point. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, like, it's funny, like. You could just make room for the ego and steer it. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's funny because if I was going to, like. I recently was talking with a counselor Mm. and she was asking me about kind of why, what my kind of work style was. And I said, oh, well, my thing is like my sort of shtick, if I'm really honest about it is, is that I'm really good at things without trying my best. Mm -hmm. I never try my best. And she was like, why is that? Mm. Like, Like, how have you... You know, because that's kind of my thing. Like, oh yeah, I was, I was a really good basketball player. Didn't practice much. Right. Like, and you're like, well, how good could you have been if you practiced? Like, like yeah, I never, like, I don't know. I was a pretty good public speaker in Christianity. D- but did I work hard at it? No. And she was like, why didn't you work hard at these things? So I was like, because my dad got there first. And from the time I was, you know, as soon as I started to get like strong at any of those things, I thought, if I compete with my dad Mm -hmm. and I lose that won't feel good right that would be bad if I compete with my dad and I win knowing my dad and like how competitive he is like that won't be good Mm -hmm. so it's like if I want to have a good life good relationship how do I like not beat him or lose to him and the answer is don't try mm-hmm. because like then like I'd be like I'm a pretty good speaker and you're like but he's a great speaker I'd be like yeah but I'm not really trying like well, could you beat him don't know yeah and I think I really did adopt an, an, an attitude that said I don't want to be too competitive because I just didn't feel like being competitive was going to work for me right and it leaves the question of your ability open-ended Yes. You know, so if he's asked, what about Barty? He's like, yeah, he's great. He has a lot of potential. He just doesn't work at it. And that answer works on a variety of levels. I think it worked for him too. Yeah. Yeah, I think it did. I mean, I, he would be frustrated sometimes with me, but I think in, deep down. Right. Because like whenever I actually seemed to be hitting it, mm. I like I, it was hard to read him, but it didn't feel like it was going to be good. Yeah. Well, after we watched that, movie last night, the King of Comedy, Ali and I were watching an interview with Robert De Niro. And at one point he was asked about his kids and how into the arts they are. And he was, uh, he was talking about his first son. He's like, he doesn't care about 
any kind of art at all. He went into real estate, couldn't care less. And, you know, my other, my other son, you know, he likes to act. He, he's into it. And you can't help but think like that first son is, he's doing, he's, he's, he's got it right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like you use the name in real estate, you know? Right. And people are like, oh, that's cool that I work with Robert and your son in real estate, but he's not looked at at all as in his dad's shadow. It's like, there's no level you can really get to in acting. If you're Robert De Niro's son, you're Robert De Niro's son. Ever, forever. And I was always Tony Campola's son in Christianity. Right. And, uh. And even if the thing is, it wasn't like, oh, because you could never be as good as him. And if you were as good as him, uh, it would have been different. You could have been as good as him. You could have been gotten to his same level of skill and dedication and you still would have been his son. You'd have to surpass him with which you can't surpass someone who's original, who's who's original and who has the rags to riches thing, who has the immigrant story. That's right. Who has the hunger, who's like, has that burning, like, I am not going to be a nobody. I need to climb during the whole, you know, children of the first generation immigrant, that story. You can't replicate that from a privileged upbringing. It's impossible. You need a burning And if you desire. take it out of like the career and the speaking or basketball or whatever we would compete at, mm -hmm. and you just get in like a conversation, because a conversation can be a competition. Right. Right. Especially in our family. Yeah. And, uh, and I like whenever it would get really hardcore, I like, I let him win get, or got out of the room. Like, mm -hmm. I, like I, you bec partly because there's a point at which you're playing a game and you realize that the other person, they're willing to really, they're willing to break things. Right. They're willing, like. They're just always going to go further. It's like you. a game of chicken and right. they're not going to turn away. Yeah. And so when somebody is playing chicken and they have literally welded the steering wheel, they're, like it, it won't turn. If you keep playing with them, Right. It's just, you're just, it's guaranteed shit show. Yeah. And so my dad's not a guy who backed off. Right. Like in a conversation, like if, if you and I are arguing mm -hmm. and the conversation really starts to get hot, I'm not willing to keep arguing if it's going to cost me a relationship point or mm -hmm. if it's just going to cost me this evening, like, we've got dinner to get to. Like, right. I'm going to find a way to kind of like try to, I mean, I, some, I think sometimes you're mad at me when I when I turn down mm -hmm. and you're like, I thought we were going to resolve this. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not willing to go there. Mm -hmm. But I think I learned that from the old man. From yeah. not, not, not learned it because he would do it, but learned it because I was like, to stay in the room with my dad, one of us has to be willing to turn it, to turn it down. Yeah. Well, and, and you guys obviously had a different relationship than he and I have, because there was definitely a point at which I, with him, I wouldn't back down either. Right. And, it, and it would get to the point where really mean things were being said, almost like things, things that you could imagine ending a relationship, but then they just wouldn't. It's like you, we would, it would, it would burn all the way there to where it's just like, you should have, you know, you dropped out of school. You didn't learn anything like, ah, oh, this family's just going to hell, you know, all that kind of stuff. We think it's, uh, and then 
you just kind of cool down. It, it would be like a fight on the schoolyard or something between two guys where then afterward you're just kind of like, all right, well, that, you know, you, you kind of burned off some you steam know, and you're just back on track. But not, I know it was different with us than with you guys. I was just going to say, this yeah. is something as a grandfather now, like I know that like you could go to that meltdown stage with your grandchild right? and your love will not like, like, and, and they'll forgive you too. Right. Because like, like you don't, strangely enough, like you matter, your grandchild, your grandfather matters to you, right? You're, but you're not gra- the way your father does. Yeah. Well, and your grandkid isn't as direct a reflection of you. Right. And so when they've diverged wildly, part of you is like, well, you can still blame your son for that. Yeah. And so you- sometimes when I would watch you and Pop Pop go hard, I was jealous. Oh, yeah. I was like, Roman can do this because that's not his father. Well, and there's no history of being colleagues to juxtapose it to you know he's not when we're fighting he's not like we used to be you know you used to have my back you used to and now look what you've become yeah you know so i mean so i think that i mean that trying thing is a real weird thing for me like i'm just coming to grips with the fact that i have kind of almost made it a lifestyle to soft pedal yeah. Well, I think that's more common than you might think. I th- wouldn't you say generally people would rather not s- really specify their goals because then the the conditions for failure are, are clear. Whereas if it's sort of a foggy thing, you don't you can never have really failed. If you oh, never, yeah. I mean, when I'm, when I'm sort of coaching or counseling anybody, like in friends, relatives, people I work with professionally, like set goals. Well, more than that, mm. cause people will tell me what they're going to do mm. vis-a-vis their wife or vis-a-vis their kid or vis-a-vis their boss. And I'd be like, okay, now who are you going to tell about that? Because I see people that are like, I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm, or I'm going to be, I'm going to be a one, one beer a night person for the rest of my life. And mm-hmm. they're like, who have you told? And they tell nobody. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, it's just my, it's a private, like, I'm, it's just some, I'm not going to broadcast. I don't want to advertise. I'm just going to, and I'm like, yeah. So that way nobody will know if you break your vow. If mm-hmm. you, you know, I'm like, the key to keeping any kind of commitment or change is putting it on the line. Yeah. I've seen it work the other way too, haven't you though, where people tell everyone they're going to do something and then they get the rush of accomplishment from the reactions people give them writing a for novel. their new plant. Yeah. And then it wears off and you're like, well, that was fun. But now, now I, you know, I already sort of got the high from it. Yeah. And, and so it is true that like, sometimes I think any, no one that's ever told me they're writing a book, it seems like ever actually finishes the book. Right. It's only people that go like, I wrote a book. Yeah. I mean, it's for over. me normally when I'm now, because I feel like there were so many different times when I was uh, a teenager and in my early twenties where I'd have a big idea and I, you know, many times on the phone with you where the, the moment I had the idea, I would, I would want to call people and tell them all about it. And, you know, I mean, it, literally it might've just been a caffeine high in the morning where I suddenly saw my whole life ahead of me in a certain direction and needed to tell everybody. And part of it was that I wanted people to hold me to it. Um, but 
other people can't really hold you to creative projects that you've supposedly dedicated yourself to. And now I, I much more enjoy no one knowing I'm doing something until until it's it's finished. Uh, but But, yeah, but but in terms of the person, but in terms of, I think you're right. A lot of people don't articulate for anyone else or even for themselves. This is what I'm trying to become. This but is bringing it, bringing it back to you. Is that, do you think that's part of it for the not trying thing? I mean, it's, it's partly your dad. Is it also, I don't, I mean, I, I know that it's part of it is like growing up the way I did. Like I learned, it was a survival skill for me not to be too hard of a trier and, and culture. Like, and just, I feel like culturally your, your gener people of your generation who grew up privileged, it's, it's like not tasteful to try too hard. Cause it's like, we, shouldn't we look what we have? Yeah. Shouldn't we be more focused on people that don't have much rather than trying to like get more ourselves? And even if they still, I, I, you know, I feel like deep down, everybody's still playing some kind of hierarchy game, but in a certain crowd, that game ends up being like, who can not be distasteful in being too ambitious, oh, but yeah. still show like, oh, look, I've just happened into success. I can't help how naturally talented oh, I am. When I went to, when I got accepted to, you know, at Brown University and like, you know, people, I had never, you know, I hadn't studied that hard in mm-hmm. high school. And then, you know, sort of, parlayed this into that and a combination and a guy I know and something and I, I get, get up into Brown. And there was some way in which the fact that I had sort of stumbled into that mm-hmm. was way cooler than if I had been like, yep. And I decided when I was in ninth grade and I stayed home and no I, matter what. I pounded the books and yeah. here I am. There was something cool about like, wow, he's so gifted. So it just becomes an aesthetic, a personal brand. I, I think it really did. And yeah. And it, and it's a way of, you you beat your dad at that game because it's like yeah you've accomplished a ton but man you've blood sweat and tears oh, and yeah. misery for this and look I'm able to enjoy life and smell the flowers and taste the sandwich and I'm, I'm just I'm things a finesse, are happening for and me. I'm a finesse player. and imagine who I'd be if I had your ambition exactly you know exactly and, yeah. and and so I think that that became like my goal in life was to do that and then what I was always hoping was that the MacArthur Foundation would notice me. Mm-hmm. And come around and go like, you're a genius. Right. Like, you're you know you're doing this unsung work and you're not self promoting and you're not doing right, this like, right. wow. And like somehow the recognition would come. Right. Anyway, like that you would literally have your have your cake. I didn't try and right. eat it too. And now you find yourself in a uh, in a time period where self aggressive self promotion is the most necessary component to building something. And that's just not, I mean, this podcast suffers because I don't have the fire in the belly to promote it. Well, it's scary to, I mean, it sucks aggressively self promoting during the period of time where it's not immediately yielding results. Like you want to believe, Hey, I don't aggressively self promote. If I were to turn on that fire, man, things would go to the next level. But then you turn on that fire for like a week, maybe. 
and nothing changes yeah, yet. It's like, whoa, I was much more enjoying things not going to the next level when I had not turning up the fire to blame. Once you turn up the fire and it's not going, it's real. you're so vulnerable. And I never thought of myself as a guy who's afraid of failure. Well, that you're a human being. Yeah, but but like, but some people you can see, oh, you know, he's afraid of failure. Mm. And I always thought like, I'm a very secure guy. Mm. Like, you know, cause I failed a lot. I've had a lot of things not work out for me. Yeah. But all the things I really care about, mm. the relationship side of things, I feel good about. And then the career side of things, even the failures don't feel so bad because there's always a story of how I didn't, it was some victory of your principles. Yes, it was a yeah, exactly. It was right. a it was a moral victory yeah, somehow. Right. So, gosh, this I didn't mean to get all psychoanalytical on myself, but um, I guess the thing I'm I'm saying is is that when when I think about my relationship with my dad, and then your relationship with my dad, and then your relationship with me, I sort of think like both of you are fire in the belly, mm-hmm. try hard people. And I feel like I would like I'm the guy in the middle who like learned not to compete with the old man, mm. and therefore when you were growing up, you didn't have a father that you had to compete with. I don't feel like you compete with me very much. No, I don't. I don't think I do. I feel like I'm the one in the middle though, because I don't have Tony's fire. I I still feel like I can. I have your. I have Bart mode as a fallback when I fail. You know what I mean? Where, like, meaning I can let go of care. I, I have the part of me that is m- just invested in the relationships. Um, and so when, if I'm in the like, oh, I need recognition mode and something doesn't happen the way I wanted it to, I just turn on the other part of my brain where those things are more background noise and real life takes place at the level of interpersonal interpersonal relationships and i i'm incredibly grateful for that i mean i i i like that world more yeah i mean without putting too fine a point on like it's a better value system like valuing relationships over accomplishments right like i think there's empirical evidence that that's just a better value system yeah. In terms of if you want to have a if you want to have a, a fulfilling life. Right. Right. Um yeah, I mean, you know, you but you but, want but some balance, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and right now, like what's weird is the reason I was talking to that counselor in the first place is because I've come to a place in my life where for the first time my like three quarter effort mm. isn't enough mm. like to get done the basic things that need to get done in order for my wife to feel like she has a husband who's fully pulling his weight in life. Right. right. And so I got to this place where I was like, I need to make more happen. Uh-huh. And I didn't have that gear. Right. And so I, I, I felt stuck. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm stuck in third gear. I need to get into fourth gear. And I, yeah. I've never been in fourth gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went to see this counselor and she was like, what's like, what keeps you from this? And I was like, oh, and she's like, wow, not trying isn't a thing you do. It's your identity. <laughs> right. Like that's the way you see yourself. You see yourself as a guy 
who doesn't try. And she's like, you can change your identity, but you're going to have to change the way you talk about yourself and the way you mm. talk to yourself. I think, and, and the advice you give other people sometimes. And again, I know like, here's the thing you might say, I don't want to get all psycho. I, that's where you are, right? You're in a psychoanalyzing right, state. I, yeah, you know right. what I mean? That's what this era is. You're like, okay, I need to do some deep diving. And yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not claiming I'm an authority on your psyche, but I can give my perspective and take from it what you will. You know, if you're, when I hear you talking to Ali, maybe, or, or anybody that uh, is, is having some like work struggles, you know, if she's, I remember the conversation you were having with Ali where she was talking about being uh, in songwriting sessions with that, that make her really nervous with like big name people and how she goes into those sessions and she she tenses up and she feels like she's being judged and she she's scared the whole night before she has trouble sleeping um and your advice to her being and it, it didn't even feel like you had to think about it felt like your natural instinct was like well, why would you do that to yourself like life is about your your moment to moment experience and if you're finding that doing these sessions for the sake of your career is making you miserable night after night like you don't have to do them like don't what do you don't put yourself through that and i saw her sort of like yeah yeah and and i i felt like i I remember talking to her afterwards and being like i just need you to know don't listen to my dad i feel the op i was like get braver do more of those sessions and and just get used to it because you've worked really hard to get to this level and if yeah you're nervous because now you're with a higher level of artist like rise to the occasion there's nothing noble about shrinking away from it and it felt like she was able to sort of take wisdom from both you know because there is I, I think the advice you gave her ended up more so just serving as a reminder of like, hey, remember there are people in your life like me who aren't judging you on that scale at all. And so on one level, it's incredibly healthy for her well, to get and, that and, message. And, yeah, and, and there there does come a time, and you, you may be like, you're not there yet, but like there does come a time where a person realizes that a particular setting mm-hmm. isn't good for them. Like they're not cut out. And like the fact that they can be there and that they can play that game like it's like being a bicycle racer and you go like i'm in the bicycle racing game i'm good enough to ride in the tour de france but like it's destroying my marriage it's destroying my psyche destroying your marriage is different than like i'm i'm scared i'm gonna lose or like right I'm, like i said the, you know what the, I mean? there are different points at right. which there, there's things yeah, when you find you know if you're hanging out with a group of people and and the way they talk is depressing you or right like you're you're in a uh, career field that is destroying your your relationship with your children or that that's one scenario but when it comes to just like it's stressful because it's hard and that's the yeah, whole yeah, yeah, story yeah, no, 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 that's right and, and and you're right like in a sense I, what's, what's interesting is i realized that in many ways i'm a situationalist like mm-hmm. um stanford prison experiment like if you put yourself in this setting, you're going to end up depressed. If you put yourself in this set, you know. I think you just get the impression that you're like, everyone else is probably telling her like, what do you think? You're in the studio with Pharrell. You're come on, come on, come on. And you're like, maybe she needs a little bit. And I think you're right in that. I'm like, 
I, I'm in no. The, well, no, no. We, yeah. Let me let okay, me finish okay. what I'm saying about the situationalist thing because what I'm what I'm realizing is, I think that's true that we are sh- that there are, we are shaped by contacts a lot. Like we we would like to believe that I'm the same person no matter where I go, mm-hmm. but I'm going to be influenced by the people around me and the context around me. And so sometimes I have to admit, like I'm not strong enough to to be the kind of person I want to be mm-hmm. in this setting. So I have to like, so a lot of times when I encounter people that are in trouble, I try to get them to, to, to get out of a, an, an inherently negative situation and into a positive one. And I think often that is the right advice. Mm-hmm. But then I realize what, what I'm coming to realize is, is that there are times, which is what I think you're saying, that I'm, and you said like, well, why doesn't, why don't you tell the person to stay and get strong and learn to, to cope with that? And I'm like, cause I think deep down, I don't think people often are able to change their fundamental identity. So, so that a situation that's destroying them, they can master that situation. But then when like, when I go to this counselor, she says to me, dude, you're in a, like, you're in a situation where you really shouldn't exit the situation. You should learn to fight harder. Right. You, you should, need to believe. What was the word you transform. said to her? You said you need to like be braver. Be braver. Right. Yeah. And so, like, I need I need to learn a new skill set. And what I'm realizing is is that I think you're right. I often go to let's change the situation because you're not going to change yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that you want to have both tools. Mm-hmm. And you want to sort of go like, oh, this is a situation where no, you're that situation's way beyond the pale. You need to get the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. And the situation's like, look, this situation's rough, but like you could learn a new skill mm-hmm. and stay in there and master it. And I'm I am i am realizing that I've 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 tended to be too much of a one-trick pony mm-hmm. because trying or changing your identity to match up to a challenge is not something I've been you know, like I've had a lot of success mm-hmm. in changing situations for other people and it creating contexts around me that work for people. Mm-hmm. Like I create a community and people have good relationships and they go like, this is great. Mm-hmm. And I, but I have not had nearly as much success at the let's you, let's you stay put yeah. and well, fight the, it out. Well, cause that's, that's a rarer success story but that's, those are the stories people care about. You know what I mean? Like the, the people, the books you want to read are about people that had to rise to the occasion and transform themselves. Not like, man, it was really hard. And then, you know, the situation I sh- changed. Yeah, I, I, changed. I didn't get any braver. I was I doing did. really bad at basketball. And then I realized like soccer I and I soccer. changed sports and I was great. I right. made the world cup. It's like, you know, that it's, you might be happy for that person, but that's not a book you want to read. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, and you have to, and again, so yeah, you're going to have a lower rate of success maybe, but I, I feel like it's too nihilistic a message to send people that like, generally you just have to accept whoever you are because the whole story of life, the whole thing that gives it meaning is the, the hero's journey, yeah, the and transformation. I mean, I, you know, that and happen. I'm much more determinist than you are. I'm sort of like, you are who you are and you're, you know, and like. If you're a pedophile, it wasn't your fault. Like, we've got to figure out how to deal with your pedophilia because, like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm even much... a determinist worldview is compatible with, like, even if you believe. Because there's a range within whatever you are, 
there's a range in which you could you like like you can't become anything you want to be right but sh- there's a range of change that's available well, and at to the you. if you read a story about someone who was hitting rock bottom and then some sort of mentor made them believe that they could transform their lives and they did they did deep soul searching and called upon their inner hero and became someone great at the end of their life story, you can still stamp that with the deterministic view and say, yeah, that was all atoms and that was all going to happen. It's like, okay, but at some point, the way these deterministic atoms interacted, it involved the relaying of a narrative that told a person they could transform that even if that was always going to happen, it's all that could have happened, whatever, like within the actual life, people need to believe they they are that which transforms well and i think like yes and i think there are some situations in which you can walk away and put yourself in a better place to thrive but lots of people in their lives and like i'm in this space right now you Mm -hmm. get to a place where especially as you get older where you don't have as many options Mm -hmm. like you're you're stuck with that wife or that husband Mm. and they're the mother or father of your five kids. And even if you divorce them, you're going to have them in your life forever. Like Mm -hmm. you can't escape that relationship Mm -hmm. or, or you have a physical ailment and you're like, you can't just switch jobs. Right. And I think that that's when these stories become even more important where people, where where it's important to believe that if you can't change the situation, you can adapt yourself to be more triumphant within it. Mm-hmm. And you know, that man's search for meaning. Like Victor Frank was like, I'm in a concentration camp. Right. I can't change the situation. So all I can change is my attitude. All I right. can change is my approach to it. And so I think like for me, my journey is when I was young, I was so powerful in, in some kind of psychic way mm-hmm. that like, I was like, whenever you're in a bad situation, whenever you're in a bad situation, you just get the hell out of there and you change right. the situation. Get it. You don't like that job. Get a different job. You don't like that girlfriend. Get a different girlfriend. Right. You were and never like, trapped. I was never trapped. Yeah. And, and the older I get, the more I'm trapped in this body. Right. And there and better be a new philosophy there, for when you're yeah, trapped. Yeah. And so like that, that's what's going on with me right now. Um, which I think like my, my growing up with my dad, um, the, the stuff that I did that really was awesome mm-hmm. for helping me have a great relationship with my dad in my thirties and forties and mm-hmm. like avoid conflict. And like, you know, we're tight. My dad and I are tight, you know, mm-hmm. but like it hasn't served me as well late in the game. Like, mm-hmm. like the same stra- like it's like that game plan worked really well if you have like that, that situation, mm-hmm. it hasn't worked nearly as well in my fifties. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I'm finally going like, oh, I too have to like learn a new set of tricks. Right. Well, especially because you're in your fifties, but physically and mentally and just energetically, you, you have, you still have so much energy and you're still extremely healthy. Like there's a, there's a lot of game left. 
You yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. You're not at a point. Where it doesn't you can... always feel that way. Like what's funny is like the ankles and stuff. Like when when you can't walk very well. Right, but you're yeah, you're not it, trying to be an athlete though. I know, but it but like someone's just that's see what you don't understand is like if you go through your day feeling pain right no it has a psychological effect it really does make you feel like ah, maybe i don't have that much time ahead of me right but like the reality is i do right well and, and even if you didn't it doesn't matter like you still have to live like you do always no you don't i feel like you should l- live till the end Yes, yes, but like sometimes if the end is five minutes away, you play the you play differently, you 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 manage your your resources differently depending on how much time you think you have. Five minutes, yes. Even one year, though, I think you live that year. Yeah, no, I just watched somebody make a dec- I, I just watched somebody who was moving away from someplace mm. in six months, and they just checked out six months early. Yeah, and I just thought, like, what a terrible decision that was. Yeah. Like six months. Yeah, that you could have been there. But but what I what I would say is I so I think no, wait, wait, one wait. possible strategy. Okay. okay, I'm sorry. When we talk about uh, defining what defining success and failure in your own mind, I, my my advice to you would be to just define success at this point as the like hustling itself like that well, that's I'm exactly, try, that, and that's that, winning. That, that is it yeah. that's what i walked out of that whole counseling experience with right is is it's not even about succeeding or failing like for me success will be leaving it on the field trying my yeah. best yeah and like what's funny is like i had this one experience as an athlete mm-hmm. when i was a soccer player in high school it's the only time where like for two and a half years i tried my best at something mm-hmm and it's the greatest memory I have. And I, I'm convinced that I love my whole high school soccer experience. Oh yeah, that could be, really be true. Yeah. Because I tried really hard. I, I, I practiced, I gave it everything. I wasn't the most talented at soccer. Mm-hmm. I was much better at basketball, but man, I tried at soccer. Mm-hmm. And I, I, for the team and all, you know, but like the idea that I put it, that I left it all out there, mm. That's what makes that such a satisfying experience. Like I don't feel I don't feel bad about any of it. Well, and this and doing that at this point in your life, this is part of it. Cause I know like it's not comfortable to deep dive into your vulnerabilities. Oh, going to counseling itself yeah. was like or, I, I love giving counseling, but like or it was you, hard for me to go. You know, to psychoanalyze yourself with your son on a podcast. Like it's all super Yeah, well, I'm not gonna play this. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, no. But you know what I mean? Like it's that's that's part of the the brave let's go all in and try that most people at a certain point if they haven't already done that deep dive or just like i I just won't do that you know yeah no i mean for me trying and deep diving all that stuff is like it's i mean it's 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 when I know that I am genuinely, truly, seriously a humanist mm-hmm. who believes that this life is worthy of my, you know, wants to suck the marrow out of this life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I go like, as weird as it is to like be changing, I'm like, what's the alternative? Is like, I'm just gonna like, like, keep doing what I've been doing and like just run out the string and not try to learn anything new and not try to change anymore. Yeah. Like it just sounds so counter. 
It's, and it's what most people, whether they've they've gotten to some stable point or not, most people around middle age be, just are what they are. And if the situation around them doesn't change too much, it's like, okay, cool. They got off easy. But for people that just remain a pillar of the past in changing circumstances, it's a horrific thing. To yeah, witness. I mean, it's in, on that level, losing my faith and being cast out of my career. I mean, it's taken me like seven years to mm. realize I really do have to start all over again. <laughs> Like, like, like I've been yeah. trying to sort of like avoid right. going back to school or avoid going to counseling or avoid like, like, oh no, this is just sort of like a, you know, I'm a, a jujitsu move where I'm like using that energy into this new thing. Right. And like, whereas I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to make a living. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to, like nothing that I did before is, you know, uh, what's, what's the word? Like you can make money off it. Right. You know, I, I, I can't quantify it. Right. And it's kind of forcing me to do this thing that I kind of think is what we all ought to be doing anyway, which is trying to keep growing. Right. Now, now I want to stop you. Okay. Okay. Stop me. Stop, I want to stop this conversation. Okay. It's gone way too far. <laughs> and I, I feel very vulnerable. <laughs> so there it is. Did I think about cutting some stuff out? I did. But then, you know, I'm riding home from that conversation with Roman. He's like, don't cut stuff out. He said, he said, that was kind of cool. And he said, like, I just think the people that care about the show, the people that get stuff from you, I think it's important that they should know you a little bit more the way the people that really know you know you. And uh, so there. For what it's worth, I think you know me a little bit better now than you did before you overheard that conversation. And uh, you know a little bit about me and my son. You know a little bit about me and my life. And uh, I would love to know a little bit more about you. So if you're listening and you got a story, you got a question, you got an idea, you want to let me know, you know where to find me. Go to barcampolo.org. Um, I think it's in the outro. They'll tell you where to reach me. You, you want to find out more about Roman? It's all going to be on the on the show notes, on the website. Uh, I will see you next time on Humanize Me. It'll be a little bit more of a regular episode. And uh, when it happens, it'll be me and you doing it. Bye-bye. For more on BART, go to bartcampolo.org. If you like this podcast, please consider supporting it every month and get extra content for it. Go to patreon.com slash humanize me. Our patrons do make the show happen. Follow us at humanize me pod on Twitter and humanize me podcast on Instagram. You can also join other listeners on our private Facebook group. Just search humanize me on Facebook to ask your own question on the show. Leave it as a voicemail at 424 2912092 that's 4242912092 and finally please review us on iTunes it really helps catch you next week humanize me is a production of Jux Media hey, you could be larger than life bigger than the
要可。